welcome to Quilt Achieviot's Female Financial View podcast, your monthly insight into the topics and trends that are relevant to women trying to navigate the world of finance. So you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you are listening on, or by following hashtag QC Female Financial View on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Vanessa Eve, investment manager based in our Leeds office. And this month, I'm pleased to be joined by Emma Townley, founder of the Non-Perfect Parents Club and host of her own podcast, which aims to have honest conversations about parenting. Um, certainly, unlike some podcasts and websites, which I will be the first to say has given me nightmares in terms of my parenting uh, abilities. So, Emma, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Now, I think it's very fair to say that parenting is fundamentally one of the hardest jobs anyone can have. And Emma, your podcast really does delve into the thoughts, feelings and values of those individuals that you actually speak with. So I think it's probably really appropriate to say what made you decide to set up this community and the podcast in the first place? Okay, so um, I was a first time mom. Um, I was the first of my then friends to have a baby. Um, I didn't have much support. It was lonely. Um, and then as my friends did start having babies, I found that they'd kind of turned to me for advice. And not just that, but I could help them. I was kind of offering words of advice and support, um, things they asked me. And that's basically how it started. Um, and from there, it kind of grew. And I realised that it was something that I could do, that I was good at and that I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to help and support other parents as well. Um, my non-judgment rule, that's my one rule for the Non-Perfect Parents Club, that came about because it was a time of like internet forums and um, mummy wars. And I just, I really didn't like the way that people were asking for support online and they were kind of, they were getting judged. They couldn't do right for doing wrong. Um, and I was adamant that wasn't going to happen on my watch. So that's where that came from. Um, the podcast, it's something I'd seen other people doing, something that I thought, oh, I'd quite like to try that. Um, but it took me um, quite a while to pluck up the courage. I'm more of a writer than a talker. Um, but then when I, when I took the plunge and did it, I found that I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I love having the conversations that I do with parents and I find that I get something different from every episode and um, so I just really enjoy it. And I think that's a, a voyage of discovery that I'm currently undertaking with the, <laughs> the, this podcast. Um, but I do love the fact that you've said that it's very non-judgmental. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts around that? Did you find that other podcasts and even advice forums did sort of say that there was a right way of of doing things within that sort of space and and did that cause issues for the people that you were speaking with um I don't think they kind of sort of said there's a right way but it was more of like a underlying theme so if you kind of talked honestly about parenting or you went against the grain um people would be kind of very quick to tell you you were wrong or kind of put you back in your place. And I found that there was, and I still do find there's so many parents that don't dare to talk honestly about parenting, about how they really feel. They kind of keep it locked up inside. 
and um, because they're so scared of other people judging them and I think it's that openness and honesty that's an incredibly important factor. And, and actually, that's a common thread with the sort of world of finance in the sense that people aren't necessarily open and honest, one, because they're worried about any judgments around lack of knowledge, um, yeah. but also just in terms of, of worrying that they should know more than they can do. And this is where it does seem to align quite nicely, because I think there is almost an assumption that as soon as you become Become a parent you should know exactly how to parent and that yeah. simply isn't isn't the case at all no. um, certainly it's a, a never-ending learning experience and my son is now seven and I'm still learning um, yeah. but and I suppose another element and, and thread to this um, and one of the topics we really did want to cover today given that we are coming up into the summer holiday um, season um, which is around the topic of childcare and the impact that this can have on families. Now, uh, I've done a little bit of research around this, and in March of this year, there was a, a BBC article that quoted a report by the charity CORAM, which states that the average costs for parents for childcare have risen by 5.9% in the past year, with the average cost of a full-time nursery place for a child under two in the UK now costing just under £15,000 a year, which is frightening, but certainly something that I experienced when my son first went to nursery. Um, how affected are your community members by this? And, and what are the consequences for some of the women you speak with? Um, well, they're hugely affected by this. I did a recent um, poll on what kind of support do my followers need? And the majority of the answers were more help with childcare. Um, and like you say, it's not just nursery costs, it's wraparound childcare once your children go to school. So it doesn't just, obviously it gets easier once your children go to school in terms of costs, but there is still the thing of um, school holidays, breakfast club, after school club. Um, and the consequences are parents are having to make decisions. They're having to make sacrifices that they don't want to make, like the career. Um, or there's one message that I just want to read from um, one parent. And she um, said, I have had to change my job to work from home as we literally can't afford to send my two-year-old anymore with everything else going up. We also won't be having another child as we just can't justify the cost of childcare. And that part breaks my heart more than anything as I am desperate to have a second. And I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Like that really kind of highlighted to me how the situation is and we shouldn't be having to make decisions like that we shouldn't be having to choose and I think that's a really fundamentally important point because actually we all know that children are incredibly expensive to have. Um, and I, I, I know that some people do have to make those very difficult decisions either to have just one child or indeed have no children at all because they don't mm. feel like they have the financial capacity um, to actually afford to have children and bring them up in the way that they want to. 
Yeah. And I think this is where Quilt Achieviet ourselves have done a lot of work around the female financial journey, because when it comes to investing, one of the biggest hurdles faced by many women and, and what you highlighted in the comments that your, your guest speaker actually said is that when it comes to childcare, one in four parents say the cost of their childcare is now more than 75% of their take home pay. Yeah. And so this is obviously affecting parents. And, and I suppose, what are you finding um, are the steps that they are taking to try and mitigate the, these costs? I mean, obviously, you've got one speaker that's effectively said, I'm only going to have one child. But what are the other things that um, women are trying to do to effectively balance this uh, conflicting areas of, of spending for childcare, but also keeping up their careers? Um, so firstly, it's not just affecting parents, it's affecting grandparents too, um, as they're having to pick up childcare um, because parents just can't afford it. Um, parents are having to rely on usually grandparents, but other close family and friends for support. Um, or the main thing is they're, they're not going back to work. They're having to reassess the situation. Um, one parent um, of mine that follows me, she, they actually moved countries. Um, and it's it's not just cost. It's so hard to find a job that fits around school um, and the many things that, that school does, so your performances, your parents' evenings, you know, everything like that. Um, so it's the emotional effects as well. It's you've got the cost things on one hand, but you've also got the huge emotional stuff that comes with it as well. Um, we're kind of sold a dream that we can have it all and we can't um, unless you've got a really supportive partner and family um, you can't thrive. And I think that's a really interesting comment that you made there about the fact that you you can't have it all, because obviously we're, we're growing up in a modern era where women are told, no, you absolutely can have it all. You can have that career. You can have that lifestyle. But actually, the reality is is quite stark. And I, I certainly know that emotional guilt. My, my son had a music uh, performance that he was in where I couldn't make it because I had prior work commitments. And it is a heartbreaking thing to not be available and there for these sort of key milestones and, and to have to watch videos of it afterwards. Thank goodness for videos. Yeah. Um, but do you, do you think that that is um, making individuals and potentially women think a little bit more in advance of having children in terms of some of the preparation they might be doing whether that be bolstering their finances, whether that be talking to their current employees to see what flexibility they can actually gain um, in their current roles to try and accommodate childcare? I think there is, I think there's a lot more awareness around it now, particularly sort of the last couple of years. So possibly, but I think for sort of before that, it was something that you didn't really know about. Um, it never once crossed my mind before we had children. It was this, oh, yeah, we want children, we'll do it. And then once you got there, it was like, oh, wow. Sorry, Emma, we actually just lost you then. Apologies about that. Okay. <laughs> 
Now, with a number of women working in sectors that have lower pay, when discussing the balancing act of income and childcare costs, many families take the decision that it is simply not viable for both parents to continue working. Um, in your experiences, Emma, what impact do you believe this has on women in particular? And how far do you think parents would benefit from a, a better understanding of their financial position when it comes to childcare? Well, the thing is, being a stay-at-home parent, which is the route a lot of mums are having to choose, is it doesn't work for everyone. Some people thrive at work, they get to be them rather than just mum. Um, they get to use their brain. And for many people, they've worked really hard to get to a point in their career where they're at. Um, and, they, you know, they enjoy the job. They like going. And it's why should they have to choose? You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can't win either way. Um, and again, we're going back to the emotional effects of that, the guilt that comes with it. Um particularly when you've, if you've worked to a point in your career um, to then kind of have to make that decision that you're going to have to just put that on hold. Um, and in terms of understanding their financial position, my dad always taught me, and this also came up in one of my podcasts from one of my um, podcast guests, that knowledge is power. Um, so Absolutely. I think, yeah, any any amount of knowledge you have when it comes to understanding your final financial position when it comes to childcare is only going to be helpful. It's going to, you know, be an asset to, to what you know, isn't it? And I think this is where, ironically, people are becoming more savvy when it comes to things like childcare, the costs associated with it. And actually, because more women are working and more women are having these sorts of conversation amongst their, their friends and family, it is clearly something that is coming up. But I, I suppose there needs to be almost a formal recognition amongst financial services that actually the financial journeys that women do take are fundamentally different. And so we need to do more to support them in the run-up to these key milestones, like having children, like having to take career breaks and the long-term impacts that this can have. Um, I wanted to pick up on your earlier point because obviously we talk about the, the career breaks or the, the complete pauses that happen with careers for women. But I think it was really interesting that the point that you made about the fact that grandparents um, come into the mix in terms of trying to support their own children with childcare. Have you found that it is actually typically women, so the grandmothers that actually step in to do the childcare? Um, and if so, what sort of impact does that have? Because it, we're all working far longer than we have done in the past. So potentially there's almost two, two hits that women are potentially taking here. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not the case for everyone. And I, I do know of some granddads that, um, that pick up on the childcare and that they're really great at it. But I would say predominantly it probably is the female grandparent Um and it just brings even more of a juggle. Some of them are still working. Um, and then it's it's the extra. So not only are they supporting their children now, they've got the next generation to that. Um, it just, and 
I think it's called the sandwich generation, but I know in a few circumstances, they're also looking after their parents. So they've got their parents who are elderly um, and they're having to support them in whatever way. And then they've got their children and the grandchildren. So it's just those plates that they're, that we're spinning is just massively multiplied. And I think you raise a really interesting point there about that sandwich, uh, sandwiching the effect that does take place, because you're absolutely right. I think there are still assumptions being made that in terms of care of elderly relatives, it is also um, women that will generally step up to the mark for, for that. And so you're right. And, and having to split your time between that childcare. I mean, it's exhausting enough being a parent, but having to do it a second time around with your grandchildren yeah. sounds incredibly exhausting exhausting yeah. on top of making sure that you're set for for retirement I yeah. mean have you have you had um concerns raised about that and and what are people trying to do to uh, address that um I mean I've not really heard many people talk about it other than kind of I know I mean I know take my mum as one example she's doing all of that she's um looking after her dad who's recently been ill she um, helps out um, a lot with my, my sister's childcare and she is still working herself. Um, and it's just, it's it's intense. And I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard for everyone in those circumstances. And it's it kind of takes away when you've got, I, the, the, I guess the comment that I do find is that when you've got grandparents helping with the childcare so that the parents can go to work, it kind of takes away from other childcare that you might need, you know, for example, to go out with your partner at a weekend, just a date night. Um, the other things that you kind of want to do that the the children can't always come along to, um, but parents don't feel like they can ask the grandparents because they've already had them so much um, during the week while they're working. Um, so I guess it's, it's limiting everybody really. Um, and it's, just again that the the support network is very condensed um and not as widespread i guess as as we need it to be and that's a really fair point as well because obviously we're always being told that we need to look after our mental well-being that it can't just be um wake up go to work come back home rinse repeat and keep on doing yeah. that but actually, as you say, if there is a, a challenge in terms of asking for additional help, and, and certainly I, I know sometimes I felt guilty going out on a, a date night with, uh, with my husband, and that is a true rarity for myself. But actually, it is incredibly hard to, to get that help, um, particularly where you're getting help in, in other areas. Um, yeah. So clearly, there needs to be more discussions around you know, the build up to what financial impact this can have, because childcare can almost be like taking on a, a second mortgage. And is that what you're finding with the people that you speak with that actually it, it is such a burden that uh, it is like taking on a second mortgage? Yes, definitely. Um, like when I did when I did the poll, the majority of comments were they need more support with childcare because it is just so expensive. 
And it is clear even from Quilt Achieve, its own research, that women often do have a, a bit more of a lack of confidence when it comes to investing and finance, which we are trying to um, address. Now, it, it was obviously quite a revelation when the government um, highlighted earlier in the year that they are trying to tackle the cost of childcare to keep more women in the workforce. Um, what difference do you believe this will make in terms of their financial confidence and actually being able to remain in the workforce? First of all, I think if the government get it right, um, it's all right getting more women in the workforce, but there's so many implications that come with that. Um, but women deserve to be able to be financially confident. So if, if they do it right, it could be life-changing. Um, we, like I said before, we need to stop selling mums the dream that we can have it all or we need to start putting um, effective support in place. Um, everything a parent does is role modelling and showing their child, they're setting a precedent to them, they're paving the way. So if it's done right, this could be, it, it could be amazing for not just the women, but also our children who are then going to grow up and, you know, become the future in the workplace. And I think that's a really good point, because certainly from my perspective, you know, my son sees mummy and daddy working and yeah. it's perfectly normal for for him to see that. Um, you know, you go back a couple of generations and it would have been very strange to see uh, a mother go out to work. That would have been very unusual. So I think you're absolutely right that it would be lovely for us to normalise that. And, and certainly with um, the next generation of parents, and we've had our, our uh, colleague recently join the ranks of parenthood, and he took his shared paternity leave, which was wonderful to see because there wasn't an automatic assumption that um, his partner stay at home and, and look after newborn baby. It was very much just shared journey. So hopefully it is something that will begin to change and will begin to normalize. Um, but certainly the fine print seems to be um, still not quite working in the way the government wants to, or it has intended it to work. Um, it still doesn't quite seem to fit the realities of um, the, the school drop-offs, the nursery drop-offs, yeah. and then getting into work for the so-called nine till five job remit, which again, doesn't yeah. resonate because nine to five workplaces doesn't really exist in the real world no and this is the thing and I just kind of want to mention as well about um about nurseries and there's a lot obviously your main childcare costs are your nurseries my background is um in early years I was a nursery practitioner and there's been lots of talk about um cutting costs cutting the ratios um and it's it's not the way to go in making childcare more affordable. We need to invest in education. Um, your nurseries, they there's so much that people don't see that nurseries do. Um, they're setting the foundations of learning. It's all through play, but that's how our children start off learning. Um, they are like the crucial moments that, that your nurseries are providing. Um, and I think because nursery isn't compulsory, um, it gets overlooked so much and I, I know from experience that what the nursery staff put in um, 
it it's amazing what they do and the funding needs to really be there for them to provide adequate care and um adequate education early years education and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the nursery care that our son got was phenomenal. The, the individuals that worked there were truly remarkable. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about what low pay they're getting for the work that they are doing. Um, as you've said, the ratios in terms of cost cutting, increasing the number of children per adult um, yeah. that are in nurseries, which isn't really supportive, but also from a I suppose going back to your point about that that individual who said, actually, I can only afford one child. If that is the way that the population is heading, i.e. more individuals only having one parent, um, it could well be that the only social interaction that a lot of children have is within nursery or within school. Um, so in, in your experience, what kind of effects um, would that have if, if actually the children don't get those sorts of interactions? I mean, one of my guests on the podcast recently, her children didn't go to nursery. Um, they went straight to school and they've they've settled fine. They've made um, great friends. But that isn't the case for every child. And I know from my experience of working in a nursery, there's one child that I always remember in particular and he started nursery, I think he was 18 months old, um, and he hadn't really um, socialised that much before. His speech, it wasn't delayed, but his vocabulary just wasn't very extensive yet. Um, and within weeks of starting at nursery, his, he was um, talking full sentences, his vocab had grown by I don't know how many words. He was um, learning how to interact with all the children, and he isn't the only child we've seen that with. We've seen there's so many children. And that's the one thing I always say to people um, about sending the child to nursery is the social um, development that they gain from going to nursery is absolutely amazing. And I think that's the other element. So going back to the mum guilt, which is forever prevalent, there are actually incredible benefits for interactions and, and actually children really enjoying themselves at, at nursery. So potentially we need to be a little less harsh on ourselves, but equally make sure that we have preparations to be able to financially manage those additional costs when it comes to, to childcare and making sure that potentially we do have conversations and plan a lot more in the run-up. Um, is that something that you're seeing more of the parents that you speak with actually doing and also potentially passing on those messages to friends? I mean, you said that you were the first amongst your friendship group to, to have children. Was that sort of a, a conversation that you started having with um, some of your friendship groups in terms of saying, actually, you really do need to save for this? Yes, definitely. It was um always very much you know how expensive it is um and it's i mean i probably shouldn't say how expensive it is because like i've said what what nurseries do is amazing for your children um i, I guess when i say expensive i mean in terms of you know for our, our financial budgets um but yeah and i i do speak to a lot more parents now that that mention about um childcare costs and I mean, like, they're already thinking, you know, 
how many children we've got one child can we afford more it is a lot more um on the forefront of people's minds now and I think that can only be a positive thing and I would um, encourage all of those listeners uh, that are listening in today you know if children is part of your plan that actually having a financial plan to support that is a positive thing and it is the right steps to take to make sure that actually you can find that balance um, because there are ways and means in which parents can navigate this because it is not just um, a burden that needs to be placed on women this is a family decision that needs to be made and as you've already alluded to if you've got a supportive partner a supportive um, family grouping actually this is something where at least you can take some steps towards having it all um, even if you have to cut back on on some elements at certain times yes definitely well thank you so much Emma for those great insights and uh, again for all of you today listening um, I think it is a relevant topic and certainly one that isn't going to go away anytime soon. So definitely needs to be raised on the agenda because it's not just the cost of childcare for those having their own children, but potentially for women who support their own children and their grandchildren in later years. So you've raised a very relevant point there for, for us to look into um, at a later stage. Now, did you enjoy our discussion on the podcast today? We would certainly love to hear from you, our listeners. So please do review the show now, wherever you are listening, and share it on your socials and tag us at Quilt Achieviot. As Emma's already said, we need to widen this conversation so that we can support um, women and families in terms of making these decisions. It's also incredibly important for us to understand what you, our listeners, would like for us to cover. So if there are topics or areas within the world of finance that you want to understand more about, please do get in touch and let us know. Now, to make sure you don't miss a future episode, please do tap the subscribe button. In the meantime, do head over to our website at www.quiltachieviot.com, where you can visit our Women and Investing Hub for our latest news, industry insights and upcoming events and webinars. So that's all we have time for today. So again, thank you, Emma, for your brilliant insights into why you set up the Non-Perfect Parenting Club and also the experiences that you've had, both yourself, but also of your guests on your podcasts. And thank you to all of you for listening today, wherever you are. We will see you next time.